Hey guys, welcome to Biomass episode 77. Um, we're glad you could tune in for a early episode. Uh, as we talked about last week, I've been doing a haunted house during the nighttime hours during the uh, month of October. So uh, they were kind enough to push the date, uh, the time back a bit so I could do it today. Um, I'm not sure what the plan is next week, but uh, yeah, thanks for tuning in a little bit early today. Uh, I believe we're on episode 77, probably a bit of a lean show today, not a whole lot going on. We'll probably talk a bit about E-Vegas and the changes that they discussed there uh, for mine, as well as some updates on E-Valkyrie. I did not personally watch it yet, so we'll probably be going to uh, Zell and some others that actually did watch the keynotes to, to talk about that. But kind of a free-flowing episode after that, and uh, yeah, we'll hopefully keep this one pretty short, because I will have to run off to make people scream uh, in the near future here, so... Without much further ado, let's start with some introductions at the top with Soraya Zell. I'm Soraya Zell. Um, I was on the CPM. I now um, am here on this podcast, and sometimes I write blog articles. Fantastic, Earth. Hi, I'm Darth Carbonite, member of CPM2, and glad to be here tonight. We appreciate you showing this up. This afternoon. Right. It's afternoon. not really tonight. Well, it depends on what time zone you're in, because it's like midnight for Zarya or something, right? Don't be time yeah. racist, Zell. <laughs> All right. Uh, Heracles Porsche. Hey, what's up, everyone? It's Heracles Porsche here, alcoholic, YouTuber, and some other random adjective. Awesome. And Jadik Menaheim? Uh, Jadik here. I am the manager of the Trello trade channel and the audit mistress profile. Awesome. And Zarya? Um, I'm Zarya. I'm a member of CPM2, and I also am glad that Darth is here. She just loves his sexy voice. And uh, I'm Pokey Draven from OSG Planetary Operations. I uh, obviously help host the podcast here. I write sometimes for our blog, and I'm a general uh, spreadsheet warrior. So um, we'll get started. We actually have two CPM members here. There's, uh, from my understanding, not a whole lot to talk about, but uh, anything for a CPM update you guys can fill us in on? Sorry, yeah, go. You no, know, you, you go. I'll go. <laughs> Who's on first? Um, um, uh, we've got the event, but that's old news. Uh, the cool thing is that we have a sharp uptick in activity because of the event. I guess lots of people want those respects. Um, and with that have come a lot of people trying to uh, cut corners and boost. Um, well, we, we don't... Uh, I mean, we the event's new from the last podcast, though, right? Yes. Well, yeah. yeah. So anyway, anyone who doesn't know, it's 514 kills, gets you a free respec and 21 wins. Uh, what is that? The skin, a Marlite skin, and yeah, you have until the 29th to do it. Yeah. And there you I have mean, people. Heracles Porsche is the eighth member of the CPM. <laughs> Basically. Well, uh, is, is there an honorary CPM title? Not really, but let's That's, talk. If there was, Pokey would have it. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say that. I'm sorry. Um, I'm. I was being rude. No, it's fine. Um, I don't. I don't think. Um, I can't really go into into details because I mean we don't actually have the details yet. But I mean, I guess it's not that big of a deal to say that. Um, we are actually. We're probably going to have our you know next official meeting with actual CCP devs. Um, actual sit down proper meeting soon. Because um, that's you know part of the whole part of the whole uh, CPM you know um, process. So um, hopefully once we've had that meeting, there'll be something concrete to show for it. But like I said, we don't know any details yet, so I can't really go into what that meeting would even be about. 
Awesome. So uh, obviously we just had the, the, the 3.1 update, and I know that uh, when we had Ritati on the show a few weeks ago, he uh, you know, was talking about how you guys kind of came in, you had a, a wish list of things you wanted to get done. Um, we kind of kind of compiled the list and you you know put together some some good numbers and whatnot. They got that pushed out uh, pretty well, and I mean so far it's it's been uh, fairly positive from what I've seen uh, people talking about. Do you guys have additional things that you're looking to push next, or are you just kind of seeing how the dust settles, or or what's going on? Um, I think um, I think one of the things that kind of uh, no, sorry, train train of thought just completely disappeared. I mean, the um, experimental lab um, change was kind of um, uh, left over from some of the things we uh, we talked about even prior to the hotfix, and that was now implemented fairly recently. So, I mean, it's an ongoing process. Not all of it happens in, like, a big, big, massive update. Some of it just kind of, you know, it's an ongoing thing. And right. on the experimental warbarge uh, topic, we were very impressed with how dare I say mature, the forums and the community in general were about that, uh, the removal, the just passive drip of officer weapons. It wasn't healthy. I think even the people that were, uh, you know, taking full advantage of that and, you know, running multiple accounts to get that, that uh, passive flow going were acutely aware that it was not healthy for the game and it was causing serious issues. I mean, I've talked to a few people that have, you know, stockpiled a, a large amount and haven't been pushing them to the market, but very well could because it's it's so bad. So I think that's a positive change for everybody, even those who, you know, enjoy using officer weapons. Um, yeah, thank you guys for getting that done, by the way. Yeah, <laughs> it needed to be done. Um, who knows what we'll be able to do in the future, but uh, it's a short stopgap measure. I mean, I sank a pretty good chunk of, you know, Orem and time into my War Barge experimental apps, but I'm just like, you know, I don't, it doesn't bother me at all, because, like, the amount of officer in this game is ridiculous. So, yeah, I totally support it. Yeah, it's been a point of rage for me recently, for those of you who frequent the uh, Skype channel, I every so often go on a fit screaming about <laughs> various things and it's usually the uh the officer gear as of late so yeah, i think we're we're all very happy to see that so i think the one thing that would make pokey even happier about the state of the game would be the introduction of officer grenades <laughs> well officer grenades and officer myostives which allow people to go into orbit and then come down with you know small nuclear warheads in hand i, I think that would probably be you know it, it would be fun right People would say, oh, we yeah, feel like super fun. soldiers because we have handheld nukes and can fly a mile in the air. It's that F word again. That fucking F word. <laughs> fun. But yeah, um, after that, that announcement and um, like removal of officer gear, the, the prices certainly spiked in the trade channels. Like You've got gear going up from what usually was like 100K, 200K to now 500, 800. Or yeah, it's just... <laughs> It's ballooned quite a bit. Well, that's that's insane. I mean, it'll be interesting to see where that price actually settles down to once people get used to the the new flow. Yeah, it's pretty reactionary at the moment. That's good, though. I mean, the, the fact that you were seeing that much in any match, pubs especially, was just absurd. I mean, for those of you who play EVE Online, Officer Gear is, you know, it's a big, big deal. It's not something you would just kind of throw around willy-nilly in most cases. Oh, do they so, have Officer on EVE? Oh yeah, no. There's. Oh, I there's, didn't realize that. Yeah, there's officer. There's pirate. There's uh, uh, dead space uh, stuff. It's there's very there's a lot more tiers of of gear and Eve, and it's 
extremely powerful stuff and also extremely expensive. So you don't see it very often in, in normal play unless you're doing some high-end stuff. Make for and great it's kill a lot moves. funnier when it dies. Oh, yeah. Oh, oh yes. There's some hilarious kill mills in, uh, in in Eve. You know, there's you can go on for for days about the crazy shit that people lose and the dumb stuff they were doing when they lost it. So obviously, you know, you can't talk about what is going in next. But for from a personal standpoint, as a CPM members, what would you like to see happen uh, to the game in? in you know, following updates, you know, it, it not confirming that it's going to be in there or not, but just as a, as a person, as a player, you know, what, what would you like to see? Go ahead, Doc. You can go first. Uh, too many to count. Um, let's see. Like, I, I guess I'd ask the ones that are most feasible under the current situation. Uh, probably continued refinement of this war barge thing. Um, it sure would be nice to have more subsystems or even just have it work correctly um it's here yeah i got punked when i bought subsystem six so that'd be nice i've got a question um some people looking into it or uh, or toddy might have said this a long time ago in passing but there's a five percent cap on the um experimental ammo mun- like munitions lab it's just like a da- like a cap on your damage that you can do even though you can keep upgrading it yeah there is a cap as far as I know, yes. Uh, the levels above five don't do a thing, and that's, that's <laughs> oh, horrible. Oh my! That's um really wow. I didn't know that. Yeah, past f- level four, you're basically wasting any orum or components you have. Well, crap. well, that's yet another example. One of those things where um. I have no words. <laughs> but, you know, it, the whole Warbirds thing was supposed to be refined a lot more uh, and um, more quickly after mm, it was mm-hmm. put out. Absolutely. But um, we're still uh, waiting on lots of the features that we expected. Well, especially since that's supposed to kind of be the, the key feature of, of Warlords, you know, the, the whole series of expansion, that you would think that they would be focusing a bit more on it because it, in the state it currently is, in my personal opinion, you know, with the passive nature of everything, I mean, we we saw that with uh, the officer weapons, but I mean, the the effective passive gains has been seen before, and, and the effects will probably be seen in the future. And I think that you know they need to get, take some time to really look at that and decide on how they want this to work. Because I think you know the, the officer weapons is just one of the the ultimate symptoms of the, the base problem, and I think they really need to adjust that and, and make it work properly, as you said. Yep. And of course, you know, I've still been screaming about the whole uh, in-battle benefit with the damage uh, bonus, but you know, I think that they they aren't going to get rid of it, unfortunately. They did cap it, though. <laughs> That's true, but I worry about if they expand the system and allow you to level that further, that they'll add other benefits that will help you in battle, which I'm, again, not a fan of, because it is a pretty steep wall to get past, especially if you're a new player. Yeah, I mean, as, as someone who is... Uh you know, there for the time when the war barge was, was drafted. I, I think we, we expected a lot more, a lot more to do with it um, than what we, what we got in the short term. And we, it didn't really go much further than that in this period of time. So. 
Yeah, and that might be something worth you know starting a feedback thread on either from a developer or from a CPM to to discuss with people. You know, how do you feel about the war barge? What do you like about it? What do you not like? What sort of changes do you think need to be made, especially in light of this change to the uh, experimental factory? You know, what is not working properly, and, and what can we do to make it more enjoyable and engaging for the players? Because currently, it's it's kind of eh still. I mean, they made it better with initial changes when it first came out, but it's, it's still fairly unexciting. It's just something you log in and click and that's the end of it, you know? I think Aeon yeah. still has his thread going on that. On the, on the experimental lab specifically, I believe. Yeah, but it did include yeah. War Barge. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think an overarching I mean, discussion honestly, would be important. Honestly, yeah. I mean, on a, obviously, yeah, gathering player player feedback on that is, of course, important. The, the thing with it is that... Um, it's not quite quite the same as getting player feedback on things like which weapons are underperforming or overperforming and you know what specifically could be tuned about them to make it make the situation better because those are things that are you know already they're you know um features that are already present in the game and can just be kind of you know fiddled with you know alter things slightly whereas if you start going you know all insane about like these mad ideas about how you wanted the war barge to actually work yes that's all all great you know throwing ideas out there there's nothing wrong with that but there's some sort of a you know understanding of um a lot of it's just not going to happen even if it's the greatest idea in the world it's just probably going to be too much of a word can't think of it i mean it's too much too much resource in, um, intensive for it to happen, particularly in the short term. So, I mean, I don't know. The brainstorming on that seems to be a little bit uh, misguided, maybe. But we do have our ideas, and the community will be involved whenever we decide to move forward with it. Yeah, yes, obviously. I mean, it's more in the sense that I would like that it would make more sense for those ideas to come from from things that we know are at least somewhat plausible from, you know, coming from Fratati, what he says, that's actually something that can be done. And then talking to the community about the specifics rather than, hey, give us all sorts of great ideas that we know probably can never be done. I mean, I, I don't know. I guess I'm a little bit too down to earth sometimes. But it's all about filtering. And that's, that's what we're here for. <laughs> yeah, I agree. I think that when I say uh, a discussion, I, I mean obviously one that's a bit more focused, not completely open-ended. And, and, and like Darth said, that a large function of the CPM is to provide key points for a more focused discussion and then also provide a, a filtering process to, you know, in a way that you've got a million ideas and you can typically group similar ideas into something that's kind of the medium amongst all of them and then present those ideas. Yeah, you know, no, it's it. obviously it just helps to kind of set the focus already when you start the discussion, when you, you know, have some some sort of idea of what's actually feasible and what isn't, as opposed to just, you know, blindly fishing. I mean, you might catch something awesome, but you're also going to spend a lot of time just, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. And that's what I mean by a more focused discussion. Like, you know, here's a, a couple ideas we're, we're thinking about. What do you guys think? You know, how can you, what are your thoughts on on modifying these ideas? And then we'll let you know if it's feasible or not. So I, I think we're on the same page there. But anyways, so for those of you who are were not aware, uh, Eve Vegas is a, an event that obviously takes place in Vegas around this time every year. 
I, I actually was there uh, two years ago when they had the whole laser focus presentation, which was bitterly hilarious. But <laughs> <laughs> regardless, um, I, I personally have not watched uh, those videos, but uh, I, I believe it's actually moved from a player run event to a CCP run event now. If I'm if I'm correct, that's correct. Yeah, yeah. that's okay, that's pretty cool. So uh, there was obviously a bunch of keynotes there, nothing on DOS or anything of the sort, obviously. Uh, but they did talk about EVE Online, um, and we'll, we'll touch on that briefly, and then also EVE Valkyrie. And again, I personally didn't watch it, but I know Zell and a couple others in here did. So, I watched the Valkyrie. Uh, Zell, do you want to kind of start off and, and talk about Okay, well, let's start off the Valkyrie, since that's probably what most of our uh, listeners would be more familiar with rather than EVE Online. So, so what did they talk about? I, I know there was some, some mention of customization well, and whatnot. So, so there, there was this moment, and, and you know, when the marketing people are, are up talking, you can kind of tell. Um, you, you hear a lot of buzzwords. The immersion buzzword was dropped, um, you know, and, and there was actually a moment where I thought they were going to go full Star Citizen, because they started talking about how, you know, it was three or four minute match arcade shooter which is great and people enjoyed it but how they wanted to go for something further and get something more do something more and something more you know long term and it 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 sounded like they were going to kind of go off the deep end with what otherwise is and you know is a, a pretty good game in the limits of what it is but uh and i was i was ready to just like start cackling uh wildly but unfortunately for for my humor they did not do that um they they their big announcement was that they're um uh, kind of working on some different kind of minute different holes for the ships. Um, so you you know you have your base model ship, and then there's kind of a progression of of modifications you can make to that ship, which was kind of their their big thing. Um, and of course, being CCP, the other big thing that they uh, showed off was the fact that Valkyrie will have skins. Um, and then they went, um, yeah, skins, shocker. Um, so then the other thing that they um, went into was. Uh, about into the lore um, because they they just released uh, the first of the um, Valkyrie comics that kind of sets up the, the storyline um, and I think it's uh, Ron Ron I think is how it's pronounced um, is kind of the the lead character who's voiced by uh, Katie Sakoff, uh, which they they make sure to remind everyone of regularly because um, I'm assuming she's not cheap to hire. Um, but, uh, and then, it, so they were talking about her story a bit, and then they said that, you know, every, every hero needs a, a villain, and so they need to, you know, and they, they did this kind of big dramatic reveal intro for um, a character that, honestly, I, I'm, tr- I'm not sure, they didn't say who voiced it, but it sounded very familiar. It sounded, um, someone suggested it was like a, the voiceover for Bastion. This is, this is a very deep, gravelly voice. I, I'm positive I recognize it from a yeah, few places. Like the- Bastion or Starhawk um, or it's he, whoever it is he does he does a bunch of other like a bunch of video game voiceovers, um, but I guess um, so. There's this this character that was supposedly dead in, in Eve lore called Fatal, and they they really tried to drum this up and be like you know oh my gosh we brought Fatal back and there was like silence in the room because no one knew what it was because no one cares about their lore that much. <laughs> um, it didn't seem like. It's. It seemed like he was the the guy on stage seemed overly enthusiastic for something that nobody really really got. But you know they detailed the. So now I haven't been following Valkyrie. T- right. So is is Valkyrie going to be free to play with skin microtransactions, or is it going to actually be a purchased? They have uh, title? not announced that at all. That's been I, announced. I'm, I mean, um, they they haven't said anything, have they? As far as purchase versus, I know. I don't think they have, and I mean. I wouldn't be surprised if they did something like where it was um, 
you know, a, a partnered up with buying, you know, your Oculus Rift or your Morpheus or whatever, where it came with the, the uh, device as a pack-in, but then they also sold skins and stuff on top of that, something like that? I don't know. We're all just guessing right now. Yeah, well, you know, CCP and communication and all that stuff, but, you know, hopefully they aren't making too many promises that are uh, unrealistic like we've seen many times before. I think at the very least my expectation of Valkyrie is something that's going to be very cool because I've I've played the tech demo. It's it's very, very cool, but I'm not expecting some grand overarching, you know, saga like, you know, I was with Dust or anything like that. I think it'll be a fun kind of lobby dog shooter or dogfighter rather um, with some, you know, of course, CCP lore and, and customization and whatnot. And I think that if they can deliver that and make it a really solid experience, experience and not go too crazy with trying to make it be massive i think it'll be a really solid title yeah i mean i think this is def- this is going to be their first test of really you know their their new motto of, of really just trying to make a great independent game and then you know maybe see if they can tie it in later if, if it if it makes sense yeah and honestly i mean for those of you who've played eve you, you know that a real-time game like valkyrie probably is not going to be able to be synced directly with space battles in eve just by the nature of how eve works and Time dilation gets confusing and all that. They did announce, however, some really, really big changes that didn't really come off with a lot of fanfare, but the whole Brain in the Box um, initiative that they've been working on is going to be released next week. And that's that's essentially really massive for how they, they handle big fleet battles and transitioning between different states and jumping through gates. It's going to be a lot faster loading for people. No, is that something you can give us a quick rundown of what that actually means, brain in the box, that's not too techy? <laughs> oh, um, I believe how they would... <laughs> uh, how it would work is, um, I think you, as your character in EVE, your character or your character assets and traits are always calculated with you in like the instance of the place and space you're at. And it puts uh, puts a lot of load on the server when there's multiple people in there because it has to calculate all of your traits. So what they do is they remove that to a um, like a separate server, so it re- uh, reduces the load on the server for calculating all of your character attributes. So it's like a complete rewrite of the uh, the underlying script for Eve. Well, that should definitely be good for those who are involved in a lot of those big fleet battles where you have a ton of people in system or even, you know, day traders who are, are going to Cheetah and whatnot. So, yeah, I mean, performance fixes are always good. It's obviously something we would love to see in Dust because there's a lot of underlying code issues that, that have been causing problems. Dust is also moving to a new server node or the yes. new server node. We'll see how that turns out. It's yeah. Like, like 2016, we're moving over to that. Yeah, I mean, that'll be nice because, I mean, from my experience, I've my internet connection is usually quite good. I've rarely experienced a lot of lag in games, but it, it's been getting progressively worse in terms of uh, lag and stability uh, within Dust itself. So I can only imagine it's something more server-side that's degrading or, or having issues. So hopefully this change will help improve that, at least to some degree. Kind of funny enough, that's been one of the only announcements on Dust that we've had. I mean... Technically, Dust will still be here, right? In 2016. Um, I mean, the thing is, um, that was in the Eve patch notes, right? About the tranquility updates. Mm-hmm. But I mean, TQ, um, TQ updates. I'm sure they're absolutely necessary, and that's you know they're updating the whole thing. That's why Dust is also affected. But I mean, 
I, I don't think the lack you're suffering in um in battles is really tied to tranquility in all that much because the battle servers are really probably more important than that. Yeah, that TQ is yeah, it's more just your attributes as well. Yeah, yeah, that's that's yeah, it, it integrates for all of our chat and our, our corporation data and uh, any statistics on our characters or skill points, that's all routed through Tranquility, but that's all like pretty simple values. There's not nothing that on the extent of like, you know, bullet trajectories and stuff. All, all, all Everything that actually happens in combat is dealt with on battle services. And as far as I know, I think yeah. pretty much everything from Tranquility is calculated out ahead of, uh, ahead of the battle starting, I think. I mean... The only thing I can see might has might have some effect on the actual yeah the chats, the, but I mean I, I don't think that's I don't think that's going to actually make a difference in battle. But I mean I'm not a technical expert. That's just my understanding of how it works. Well, that's good to know though. I mean I didn't want to set any expectations that it was going to you know fix everything or or cause considerable improvements. But it you know at the very least it is good to know that the word dust showed up in an eve you know patch notes because it is still tied to the servers and i don't know well, well like, like dar said at least you know that you know the game is, 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 is existing past you know the end of the year which you know is always nice it would just be good to have more details but i'm not going to sit here and gripe um was there anything else on on valkyrie's L, or was that pretty much it I, th- I think that was pretty much all of it Okay, yeah, because I'll, I'll need to go take a look at the, the keynote. I have not had time because of everything going on. Uh, so I, I do know that there is a new EVE update. We won't go too deep down the rabbit hole with it, but it is some of the images I saw were, were pretty freaking cool. And the update's being called EVE Citadel because it's the update where they release the Citadels, which, from my understanding, are extremely large player structures that are built... Um, now, Zell, you might know, what purpose do these citadels hold? In, in Effectively, Eve? long-term, they're going to replace um, outposts entirely. Um, they have a lot of redundant functionality with outposts, but from what I understand, a lot of things, including outpost code, is, is like stuff that was designed, you know, at least eight years ago, that no one there knows how it works or how to fix it. And I think CCP is also really afraid to touch things that are already out there. In a lot of cases, so they said, you know, I think I think what happened was they said, okay, so we want to redesign how structures work. Messing with the ones people already have is going to cause a lot of breakage when we do it. So I think they're really just producing the new version of outposts, and then they're going to phase out the old ones um, because you know it, they they work a bit differently, but they're basically the same thing. And they they get to mitigate questions of, well, you're wrecking all the stuff that I already put up by just saying, well, we're we're giving you new stuff, and so. You know, those there's new benefits, but those also come with you know different costs. Namely, that outposts are destructible, or um, uh, citadels are destructible. Right, and they're kind of putting it through like a transitionary period where you know both will exist, as you said, and they're kind of redundant, and then they'll start phasing out the old stuff into the new. Right. That's what I gather from it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it, it looks pretty cool. I mean, like I said, I I don't play Eve anymore, really, um, and I certainly don't play in Nullsec much anymore. But the images they post up, I know some of them on Twitter, it's, it's pretty pretty cool-looking stuff. So, I mean, even if just for the eye candy, you guys should check it out. It's it's pretty neat. I mean, they were showing some size comparisons of how big these things are compared to planets and and whatnot. So, you know, I, I can go on a pipe dream and, and think how cool it would be to have a, an infantry battle on one of these things, because they are freaking huge, which is, is very cool-looking. About the size of Long Island. <laughs> 
Uh, the, the, the one they posted like yesterday, I think, with the extra large Citadel, they, you know, kind of showed it floating over Earth and it was like, holy crap, you know, yeah, I mean, these, yeah. they, they've they got Titan Doomsday or not, not Titan, but yeah, Doomsday weapons on the structures themselves. That's pretty awesome. I mean, the the size comparison of like the Amar Avatar Titan docking, it was like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's a big freaking building, you know, because I mean, the, the Titans and Eve are about 16, 17 kilometers long and the, the Titan looked like a little you know twig next to this structure. It was very cool looking. So, you know, I will praise CCP as I usually do on, you know, their visuals and, and creating a really cool looking uh, environment in all of their games, really. So it looks like in our uh, thread on the forum, somebody wanted to talk about um, Eve-style E-War. I mean, we won't go too crazy with this, but Velocid from OSG Planetary Operations uh, posted requesting that we kind of talk about a, a couple of things like uh, neutralizers, webs, uh, ECM flashbangs, target painters, etc. Um yeah, so again, this is kind of a pipe dream. It's it's probably not something within the scope of what we can actually do in Dust currently, but it might be worth kind of talking about for, you know, for fun. So, uh, yeah, so I know that, you know, some of you out there are kind of big in, into logistics or, or scouts and e-war and whatnot. So, I mean, what sort of things would you find useful and interesting to shake up the e-war meta a bit other than just, you know, scanning and whatnot? You know, the web tanks would be amazing. Yeah, absolutely. I, I mean, I've always maintained that one of the major issues with tank and, and vehicle and, and AV and whatnot is is that right now it's pretty much either I have enough DPS to drop him before he gets away or I don't. And that kind of is where the meta ends in terms of that dynamic and the lack of tools available it, it makes it, you know, kind of problematic. I think you could have a lot more you know dynamics and, and interesting things with that so like a web would be like a mine that they would go over and the thing would go off and slow them down and give you time to actually dps them down sorry are we talking about eve or, or dust um, eve mechanics into dust kind of thing. yeah exactly um i don't know if this is exactly right but uh and what i would like to see happen with scanners is for some changes to the statistics on them so that, you know, I was motivated to use some scanner other than, you know, just the two that I normally use, which is like the focused and the, the Korea drawn. So, you know, I have one scanner that does 200 meter scan and another that can pick up almost anything. And I barely use any other scanners because there's just no other scanners with competitive statistics in my brain. Well, and that comes down to a, an ongoing issue that we've talked about before with a lot of equipment. For one, the progression is extremely messy, and two, there's often cases where there is one that is just simply better in almost every way than, than everything else. Yeah. Equipment definitely needs needs a pass of um, yeah, fixing the there's that's lots of redundancies. There's there's a variance that are really not necessary at all. They have no purpose. They're not used. Um, so either they need to be removed or fixed. Um, I think we could do with a whole lot less variance for most equipment. Um, but yeah, they definitely need a pass. And um, I mean, I know Cross has been working on it before, and I'm you know helping him on that when when there's a chance for us to actually get that you know looked at by more than just us. But yeah, definitely needs to be done. 
Yeah, when I was writing the equipment uh, guide for the biomass blog, and <laughs> I was just kind of talking with Cross as I was writing it, and it, there was a lot of swearing and me throwing my hands up because the information I was pulling, you know, from the database and whatnot to assemble all the information, I was like, Whoa, this is all crazy. Like, it's no consistency whatsoever to really any of it. It's all over the place in terms of variants and which variants are available at which tier or for what, you know, currency or whatnot. It, it's a total mess. And I mean, that's, you know, certainly something that, you know, having people on the CPM like Zarya and Cross is great for because unfortunately it's a lot of busy work, which CCP doesn't like to do because it's expensive without much gain, but it is something that people who are very knowledgeable um, and you know, very, who use that equipment all the time and whatnot, it's a, it's a perfect thing that they can work on and, and, and really help hash out. So, you know, I, I appreciate you guys working on that because it is a mess. And as you know, I, you know, I go a little crazy when I see something that's a really messy design. And in this case, it's, it's driving me nuts because it's, it's painful to look at, you know, the table when you kind of see how everything is laid out and there's no thought or reason behind it whatsoever. Here, here. Preaching to the choir, I'm sure. But, you know, again, we, we do appreciate it because I, I do feel that Equipment in particular is something that really needs to be taken a, a, take a look at, especially, you um, know, like we said, for tools available and whatnot. And I mean, I spend a lot of time head desking over the when the uh, carried amounts were changed. Oh, um, yes. Oh, yes. <laughs> the, the fuck ups in that. I just, oh, yeah, I spend so much time. I'm like, cross. Why does the why fix it? Fix it now. But yeah, yeah. It's sometimes it's it's I don't get how it how you don't get how it can be that big of a mess considering that it, you know, should be fairly simple. But yeah, I think there's there's we don't need that many variants. I mean, there's there's really no reason for there to be that many variants. At the proto level specifically, we get a lot of completely completely uh underutilized simply because they're the purpose that they seem to be to exist for is not an actual use case. So why should they exist? Yeah, absolutely. And, and of course, it's just taking up space of things that need to be handled by servers and whatnot and loading redundant crap, potentially. It's, it's not good. So, you know, hopefully that's something that we can work on definitely as a community and, and uh, something I would encourage you to, to reach out to, to certainly you know, there's many individuals out in the community that are willing to, to help kind of, you know, process and, and, and you know, go through all of that data and find out what actually is necessary and whatnot and, and help organize. Because I think it's something that should happen. I just don't really feel it's something that CCP is going to be particularly interested in focusing on in the near future. And I think it, it should be handled, you know, fairly soon because it has gone untouched for, for quite a while now. Well, yeah, I will. Um, I will poke Cross about his um, epic a spreadsheet of doom, and seeing if we can uh, get a few more people to uh, kind of chisel the the unnecessary fat away with us, or yeah, you know, absolutely. just have you make a new one. <laughs> <laughs> I I kind of helped make the one he has now, but you know, <laughs> I know, I know you did. <laughs> But yeah, no, it's 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 good stuff, and you know, I, it's it's something certainly worth worth looking at. On the top of, of equipment specifically, is there anything else that you guys would be interested in, specifically stuff that might be a little more feasible and, and that can actually, you know, be done? Um, are you meaning like new, um, new equipment or um, changing the ones that exist? 
drastically or um just i still want that i still want shield support tools um yeah that shield support equipment i've um you know i've i've been hoping and waiting you know for a long time for something to be done about that but um yeah it's uh it i think it needs to exist on it not a pure like a mirror of the armor ones because i think that would be stupid because they they shouldn't be identical um but yeah shield support equipment should exist in the game and the fact that it doesn't yet is just bizarre to me well especially since like you know we see in eve where the primary function of logistics ships is always repping and then their secondary bonuses they get which is you know more unique to the racial type the fact that there is only armor yet it applies to only one of the logistics suits and one that is typically more shield based is is asinine in my opinion I, i'd love to get both in there so you can actually kind of rework those logistics bonuses and give them the the properly matching tools. I, I won't go too crazy into the lore and making things match, but that is a pet peeve of mine that I, I wish we could see resolved. And, and like you said, I, I hope it won't be something as I'll say lazy as just copying the the armor repair tool and, and you know slapping it on a shield because that would actually I think cause some serious issues um, in terms of gameplay. But it is something that I think should be a priority definitely for you know the future of the support class in general. I know one thing that Rattati was throwing around in the uh, Skype channel was talking about using uh, nanite injectors on friendlies that are currently alive to provide some sort of bonus or whatnot. I thought that was kind of interesting that it was something, at the very least in his mind, was something worth uh, pursuing in terms of feasibility. Yeah, I mean, I think that's the only um, that's the only context I've seen the idea. Uh, thrown about but i mean i it certainly has merit and it's something that's worth um worth um brainstorming i think i just want to say that the nanite injector is my least favorite piece of equipment i mainly stopped carrying one simply because no one ever asked for a revive i mean even people in my squad they just go i don't care i'm just gonna bleed out because they don't they didn't give about didn't care about the suit or the clone so I mean, I I very rarely carry one anymore because it seems entirely pointless. No one wants to revive ever. Well, especially when respawning is is typically as as easy as it as it is in the game with with uh, uplinks and whatnot. It, it's often better tactically to just respawn because you know where you're going to come out. You know that there's probably not going to be someone you know pointing at your corpse when you stand up. So I think that you know, like like you said, you know the uh, the nano injector is is probably one of the least utilized pieces of equipment right now because it doesn't have a whole lot of benefit compared to other equipment out there right now. So I think that, you know, giving it perhaps some additional functionality to encourage people to actually use it and carry it would be good because like you said, we don't want redundant equipment because if it's not really being used ever, it's not worth having in the game. Well, I mean, simply because while I wholeheartedly I understand why the change is made to um, people having to ask for a revive, I think it's um, it caused quite a lot of problems on the other on the other side of the coin. Um, then when you'd act because so few people would ask for revives, more and more people would just stop using nanite injectors altogether. And then when you actually want a revive, there's usually no nanite injectors anywhere to be seen. Um, but I mean, yeah, giving them something, some sort of a utility that isn't isn't completely tight 
um, to um, someone allowing you to use it would be good, I think. Well, I mean, when we when when needles were non, when you couldn't decline needles, that was really bad. Like we don't want to go back to that. No, and I, I like know. I said, like <laughs> like I said, I uh, fully understand why the change was made. Um, I just uh, I just think it would should have been because it's not a question of declining the needle being used. You're not declining a revive. You are uh, refusing to be offered one. Um, it would be one thing if if I as a logi could go. This is a perfectly safe time for me to stick this person with a needle. There's no red dot shooting right now. And yeah, I'll just stick them with a needle and then they can go, no, I actually want to respawn anyway. That would be fine. Oh yeah, it's, that would be great. The actual declining or accepting the revive, but the fact that they have to ask for it. And a lot of the time people, I mean, I still get like people going like in my squad, like why ask for a revive i cleared the area i'm standing over you with a needle just freaking ask for a revive and they're like oh i forgot I'm like yeah okay well that's great but i mean it's that's why it's pointless to carry a needle because no one ever asks for a revive if they got offered one they could choose but yeah well and there's a big percentage of kills that are just clone terminated anyway Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But still, I, I mean, that's not that's not nearly all of them. A lot of people will just choose to. I mean, I do it. I'll just go for like fuck this. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna respawn because I'm not gonna wait here for 15 seconds just in case a needle happens to wander by, because most likely it's not going to because no one carries needles anymore. Yeah, no, I'm think... not bitter about that at all. <laughs> Clearly, no, not at all. But you know, I think that's that's fair. That that change, while see, I personally never had an issue with uh, the no acceptance thing. Like just being forcing people to stand up, aside from some, you know, boosting applications. I I thought that was fine. But everyone mm. was crying about, yeah. oh, I don't want to lose my KDR. And I'm like, who gives a shit, you know? But that's just I mean, me personally. Honestly, I think that was uh, part of the game back when it. I mean, it's not even a question of isk not mattering so much because so many people just have such excess isk that they don't care. You used to care about clones. I mean, in somewhat like it felt like. I mean, I, I think over the years, because it, it used to be, you, yeah, you'd win, you'd win a skirmish, but if you won it by like one clone, you om like you almost got cloned out. You, that was like ho holy shit! Don't don't let that happen again because you don't want it to be that close. You actually actually cared about the clone count as well and i think most people just don't they just go for the kills and they'll just run in there particularly acquisition where it doesn't matter clone count doesn't matter but that kind of that mindset you watch a watch a team just get cloned by they just rush in and get killed and they might get like they might go positive they'll get two kills before they die but they just go in and just keep keep dying over and over again and just bleeding clones and then they lose because they get cloned and nobody gives a shit. And I just, I wish I had that, like, wish more people had that mentality that we used to have in Chrome, where, you know, you didn't lose clones unless you had to. Because, you know, it was a matter of pride or whatever, but, I mean, every clone mattered. <laughs> well, it, it, it's true, because I think, oh, like you said, Isk is... Isk is no longer a thing. I think that, especially with so many BPOs floating around and people being so rich, they don't care about dying because there's no, 
there's not much loss involved or at least not a loss they care about. And so, you know, screw it. I'll just go in and you know get my kills and whatnot. Whereas before, you know, if people were getting pounded in an objective, they would just stop going for that objective because they were losing money. And like you said, people cared more about clones back then because, you know, you got cloned out a lot more frequently. But you, you even see it now where you'll have a team, and I've been on both the receiving and you know giving end of this, where a team is playing the objective extremely well, but the other side basically just bleeds them dry. Even though they, they're losing horribly on the MCC battle, they just, you know, they slaughter them. It's just a meat grinder in there, and you don't even necessarily have to... Uh, I mean, that, that is a tactic in a way where you would lure people into the city, you know, and only hold a couple objectives in there, but you would lure them in to come get the objectives and then just mulch them and clone them out because they just keep, you know, hammering the same spot over and over again and, and never actually thinking, oh, we're actually going to lose if we keep doing yeah. this, even it's though we're getting kills. The number of people who just never look at, like, they just don't actually look at the situation at all. I mean, people just don't play smart anymore, and it's painful i mean i i can totally understand sometimes you just go into that mindset of just you know push 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 and you know try to do something and you just don't realize that you're getting cloned but over and over again and it just feels like where did all the good players go <laughs> well this is why faction warfare is just sorry the game right now faction warfare is way better than pubs in my mind right now Oh, it has been. It has been for a while. I mean, the, my my problem with uh, faction is that it's still so. Even if the teams are better on average and more tactically minded on average and more actually trying to win, on average, they're still very often totally lopsided. So I I actually find that that my problem with that pubs are the really lopsided game mode right now. I mean, today I got really lucky. I didn't get any black screens, so I got I got a lot of pubs in, and I had one like early in the morning, which I posted, which was which I had a really good comeback on, and I was I was basically doing like a big part of my team's work. Like I was doing all I was doing all the links. I got like the comeback hacks and all that stuff, and you know, but yeah, t t way too often in pubs, it's just so lopsided. That there's mm -hmm. there's just nothing to be done. There's nothing to be done, you know. And then I mean, in faction I... warfare, I get I get close games. I've got all the faction warfare games I've done have been close. Almost all the pubs I did today have been totally lopsided, and uh, you lose half the players on the losing team halfway through. I guess uh, I guess I've then I just experienced just happens to be different. I mean, for a long time, for a long time, faction was the one where you actually good got got good battles but i mean over time it has not saying there aren't the occasional good battle obviously there are people i wouldn't play factional at all anymore if it wasn't but um people go and you have the q sinks and you have the big you know big squads that are you know do it like that's all they do they do eight hours of faction a day they always do the same thing because it wins so they're you know they have it you know perfect it and they just do it every time and it works and in a pub i feel even though i would like to play something other than dom it just doesn't happen if i'm playing pubs because that's nobody has the patience to wait for any of the other game modes if they ever do pop up so it's just dom but i actually feel that generally speaking even if it starts lopsided and it looks lopsided in a in a pub 
I, as one, like one person, have more of a chance of actually making a difference than I do in a factional against an eight-man squad. Even if I'm in a squad myself, but it still feels like, you know, in a pub, one person can actually make much more of a difference than in a factional. If you're starting in a, on the losing team in a factional, you're all, you're guaranteed to lose. There's almost no changing it back at some point. Whereas in a pub, you can turn it around. That's just my personal experience. But, I mean, it obviously varies. I think you're correct in that. But uh, at the same time, I think that in general, Dust suffers from a very bad problem where it often feels like once it gets to a certain point, you have no chance of turning it around just by the way the game is flowing. And when that happens, the player morale pretty much tanks. And that's when you see people just backing out and saying, screw it, or they go and snipe. Absolutely. Yeah, and I think that's really a a massive underlying problem is that as a player, it it often gets to a point where, you you know, I like to play tactically I play with the group you know I you, you try to play smart and, and turn things around but it, uh, even I feel like I get to a point where I'm like eh, what's the point like we're gonna lose anyways I'll keep trying but I understand that most people aren't like that like once they feel like yeah. it's pointless they're not gonna try see the problem problem is the people I mean that's fine that's that's just part of human nature I mean at some point you just see you know you see there's no point you can't win this anymore i mean you can keep you can keep going but you know you can't win this anymore so that cuts off a lot of people who just go there why am i wasting my you know assets it's the people who will in the first 30 seconds who hacks the points first if the enemy team hacks the point first they just stop they're done if their team manages to hack the point first then they're you know all for it let's go and redline the enemy team but if the, if the enemy team gets to the points first, they just instantly give up. And I mean, in the first 30 seconds, in the first minute of the battle. That's what I hate about Dust and the community, because there's so many people, so many people playing this game who will instantly give up. If they're not, ha- like, if it doesn't look like they're going to win from the very beginning of the battle, they don't ever leave the red line. So, yeah. And that's indicative of a very risk-adverse community, which is makes sense because the game is built around risk and they don't want to lose what they have, so they play it safe if they feel like their chances of losing what they have is very high, which in the case of where the enemy team starts to get the upper hand, people go, oh, well, shit, I don't want to lose, so I'll just you know play it safe and hang back, which just snowballs into, you know, the big problem that we see where you know once you get ahead you cannot turn it around often because of the way the gameplay plays out and often because people just give up and so that comes to the very difficult question um, of how do you you know manipulate the player psyche to still feel like they have a chance and want to get in there and do something while at the same time you know not bringing in really weird mechanics and whatnot that are going to make the game not perform the way you want so you know, the hard part is, is how are we going to make people want to keep trying even when the odds are stacked against them? And it's a difficult question. I'm not sure what solution would make sense in the context of the style of game that Dust currently is. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be too hard to come up with some kind of incentive incentive for, you know, playing the underdog team. I mean, it's got to be an SP boost or something we can come up with. Well, yeah, that's what I mean, you have in that's what you have in Planet Side too, isn't it? Um, if you're uh, outnumbered, you have a you have a SP bo- uh, XP bonus. You gain uh, search faster. I mean, something like that. 
I mean, it doesn't have to be that exactly, but something like that. Yeah, I mean, that that could be worthwhile. I mean, something that's going to, you know, the player's going to go, well, I'm behind, but, you know, if I push now, I'll I'll benefit from it. Even if the result is not a win, I will still get something out of, you know, trying to get in there and do something. Because, you know, if you can slow that snowball and start, you know, let's say pushing it back up the hill, even if you don't get over the crest of that hill, you're still going to create a more competitive, you know, game. Because, I mean, it's just as boring to get redline as it is to redline somebody. I mean, how many matches have you had where you're literally sitting, you know, punching your friend in the face because you have nothing else to do because the enemy team is sitting <laughs> in their MCC? Yeah. I mean, hell, I remember back in the beta when spawn points uh, were were fixed in the red line and not behind cover. You'd sit there with a missile tank and shoot people as they materialize out of thin air. It was it was bad, you know. Surely, surely, you never did such a horrible thing. Uh, surely, of course not. <laughs> but at the same time, it was either that or punch my friend in the back of the head, you know, in some corner of the map. It was. It was just bad, and redlining is bad for everybody. It's it's not fun for anybody when it happens. So, it, again, we need to do something that's going to encourage people to try, even if they aren't going to necessarily get a win out of it. Indeed. I mean, do you guys think it's too much if we start handicapping a team when they when they pull way ahead? I wouldn't provide any negative reinforcement in, in that right. regard. I think you should offer the, the the underdog we'll call them some incentive to try i don't think necessarily a direct buff would be good like an actual in-game in battle buff but something that they're going to say well i'm gonna you know make a profit if i if i do this you know if i, if I keep pushing so i i say I, would, I wouldn't affect the actual battle that that gets into real dangerous territory and people you know gaming the system to to get things they really shouldn't what about like a war point buff or something like war point earning buff for the underdog? Because right now the way it's stacked is whoever ta- if you're on if you have the letter you're actually getting a buff for defending the point, which makes a lot of sense in in skirmish because you don't want you know skirmish. There's always a problem with board players leaving points because they don't want to wait like the one minute or whatever for you know the red dot to show up and try and take it. But in in domination, you know, you have whatever team is ahead is now earning more war points, you know, than whoever the underdog is because they're getting, you know, whatever defense points, you know, objective defense points on top of whatever they're earning. So I don't know, maybe the underdog underdogs need something to balance that out. In the the purpose of that would be to gain orbitals faster, or, or what are you getting orbital, out of the war parts? Well, you, it would be a whole thing. You could get well orbitals faster. They could, they could, they would be rewarded with more ISK and SP at the end of the match. So it would be like a total. It would it would end up being a combination of all those things. Yeah, the, the thing I worry about is people intentionally throwing the game to make a bigger profit than they would have if they had just won. You know, that that's that's the really tricky balancing part. There is you don't want to incentivize it too much where they're going to go, oh well, I'm just going to sit in the red line and lose on well. purpose so I can get a better bonus out of it. Well, I mean, honestly, my my personal preference, which I know isn't terribly constructive, my personal preference would be that um, there should be an incentive to win. As in, if you lose, you get fuck all. And if you win, you actually get rewarded. So better try and win. But I well, mean, I know. It's... I mean, that's what we have in FAC War right now. <clears throat> yeah. And I mean, 
And it is a good incentive. People, people try harder People actually try to win in factional. That's the thing, people. Yeah. People don't go there to just kind of fuck around. I mean, some do, but I mean, overall, people actually want to win those battles. Pups, nobody cares. Except the tryhard. I'm a tryhard. I know it. Anyway. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, the, the only thing, of course, that you worry about is that if people get to a stage where they think, oh, I'm not going to win, and there's probably no chance of me turning this around, uh, you know, then they're going to say, they screw it, just leave do early. it already. Well, I, mean, I, they I know. Do we're we're trying anyway. to stop that, though. <laughs> I know, but that's the thing. It's, it's, I don't, I, I, like I said, it's not terribly constructive. That's just my personal, like, I wish the world worked that way. I know it doesn't, but I wish it did. It's well, the whole, I, don't, why are we rewarding people for losing? <sighs> well, I, I think it's fair that, that winning should certainly be much more rewarding than, than losing in pubs. Maybe not a whole hundred percent zero. Like, like you say, well, you know, that's, that's up for discussion, but I, I think that that's fine. It's just a matter of, you know, uh, giving, you know, maybe I'll, I'll go back on what I said before and that giving people an incentive or at least a, a benefit that will help them make a comeback could be a good thing. So like Heracles said, you know, a war barge bonus or war point bonus rather to get more orbitals to help, you know, push in faster, you know, if you're behind and that would obviously scale that if you're really behind, it would, it would help a lot. Mm. Um, that, 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 that mm. actually might have some merit. I mean, there's like, I think there's two components to this that, I mean, kind of might, might help. I, I don't know if that's in any, like it should be introduced to dust or not. But for instance, when the, when the battle is at a point where, you know, like, well, the computer can calculate, there is literally zero chance for the, you know, for the other team to win this anymore. The battle should just not drag on for another five, 10 minutes. But I mean, I mean, that's in dust. It's kind of hard to calculate that because it's not just a question of of MCC. I mean, the number of times where you've won a game by cloning the enemy team out, even though they held the point for the, or the points for the entire battle, it's possible. It's entirely possible. But I mean, some sort of a because the red line matches the fact that they last so goddamn long without anything happening. That's the problem. So I was kind of toying with this idea in my mind I mean this would work in skirmish um, some other variation might work in the dom but in skirmish when if the uh, enemy like if the winning team holds all points there could be some sort of a cooldown after which one of them kind of run one of them undetermined flips over to the losing side because of you know whatever bullshit lore you know virus blah 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 you know, thingy, you can you can come up with some sort of an excuse for it um, to give them, like, give them, um, you know, a stepping stone. I don't know if that's even sensible. It's just kind of been something I've been, you know, thinking about. Well, they even have that in Destiny now that's recently they added the Mercy Rule, where basically it, it calculates that if there is a differential in score that occurs in a short enough time period that the match just instantly ends. Like you're getting your ass kicked so hard that it just says, okay, yep, you're done. And they, they call the game right there and then it, you know, it, it's over. And I think that, you know, that's in, in dust. If it was properly calculated that if it, the game detects that there is no chance that you are going to turn this around, like you are getting beaten so badly that, you know, that you're, it's not going to happen that they should just 
you know, call an end to it and be done rather than having this painful, you know, like I said, red lines are boring. Either you're sitting in your MCC playing cards or you're punching your buddy in the back of the head down the field because it's, it's terrible. So I, I think that's certainly something to consider. Um, like you said before, uh, more incentive for winning is, is certainly important. So people actually want to win. And then I think another component is giving people the means or at least encouraging them to try to turn it around and give them the tools they need to actually turn it around because currently it, it does snowball quite badly in, in many cases and we need to lessen that effect. That that really needs to be a, a key feature in improving the overall gameplay. No, I like Zarya's idea. Yeah, no, I think that's that's pretty solid as long as it, it actually makes sense and it doesn't you know, cut off games that really could be turned around. I, I think that's great. And, and, and like I said, in Destiny, it's it's nice because there are matches where it's like, okay, come on, we're done. <laughs> you know, we don't need this to go on any longer. It's the outcome's already clear. So I think that's that's certainly fair and certainly something that should be looked looked into. But I mean, that should we should have an idea for Dom as well because I mean, it's like we've said, like ninety percent of pub matches are Dom. Uh, yeah, and then that's unfortunately that's kind of a snowball effect as well is that you know if it's difficult to get into the other game modes people will play dom because they want to get into a game quickly which then means that more dom matches are spinning up which means more slots are opening which means that the matchmaker is going to want to stick you in dom so you know that's that is problematic as well yeah i mean i purpose i have i have had numerous instances where i've purposely taken dom out of the rotation so I'm not, you know, my eyes don't bleed from too much Dom. And uh, sometimes it works great. Like on a day like today, Sunday, where the, you know, population's up a bit, it works It works great because I could I get other matches and not feel repetitive. But if you're in like, you know, some odd hour on a weekday and you try to do that, you know, get ready for a seven-minute wait. Seven? Sweetheart, Ten, whatever. <laughs> uh, yeah, I get. I usually get Scotty twice before I get into a battle. If I yeah. try to like try to cue anything but Dom, I mean, it just doesn't happen. In that, see, I find that interesting because I personally do not have issues getting into matches fairly quickly, even when I do take Dom out of the rotation. But I know that others have the exact opposite, where they basically yeah. can't get into a match. I mean, at time of the day, I'm sure you play during the absolute peak hours, though. Yeah, that's probably fair. I'm like right after work, North America time, so it's probably when people are all on. So I mean, that's it certainly makes sense. You know, one thing that they could consider that I know that um, Mag did back in the day is that if a game mode was starting to slip into being less popular, they would apply a XP bonus to that game mode to encourage people to actually play that over other ones, which actually worked a pretty good effect. That was the Dom people. Punish them. Well, not punished, <laughs> but I mean, if, if if you log in, it goes, hey, you're going to get, you know, time and a half SP for playing anything other than Dom. People are going to go, oh, okay, and they'll play something that isn't Dom. Oh, right? that I would think... be glorious. I, I, I hope Rattati's listening, man. <laughs> I mean, particularly if you underline it, play anything but Dom. Anything at all. Anything. Yeah, and it actually dumb. worked It worked really well in balancing the game modes because the developers could go in and, and on the fly tweak it and go, okay, well, this one's going to be, you know, times 256 experience for, for this game mode or whatever, and they could push the players, not not force them, but they could, you know, encourage them to, to go certain ways and then allow them to kind of fine-tune fine and tweak, you know, what people were playing 
by offering incentives. I think that's something that it could certainly consider, you know, an ISK bonus or an SP bonus or something like that and, and make it a little less painful and hopefully kind of stop the snowball effect we're seeing in terms of, you know, so how things are like, queuing. Uh, kind of like how uh, WoW does things with uh, uh, queues for uh, dungeons and raids and stuff like that is when they're they're low on tanks or healers. They never get low on DPS, obviously. So, um, But at different times, they'll offer either tanks, healers, or both an incentive to play. Um, you know, an extra bonus for queuing is that. Um, so very much the same way, people are maybe encouraged to try rolling more tanks and healers because it's, it's kind of an easier path now. Yeah, absolutely. They do that in Final Fantasy as well. And I've I actually trained a healer specifically because it was such a pain to queue as a DPS uh, for a dungeon. So I trained a healer so I could do dungeons, get the items needed and then use the items to get gear for my DPS class instead because the fun part is also you can um you can kick the DPS really easily if you don't like them because you know you'll fill the spot fast. Oh yeah. <laughs> you yeah. can't kick your tank though. The DPS are always very polite when they're in touch because they've been sitting there for 45 minutes, you know, trying to get in against everybody else. So, you know, absolutely. But yeah, I think encouraging uh, certain game modes, and I, I think that that's probably something that is fairly feasible within the realm of something they could do. It's, it's. I'm obviously no coder, so I, I'm making a broad assumption here, but I think that's probably something that's fairly um, easy to figure out. I think it's not even the coding. That, that probably is not a big deal. Um... I think what we would might run into a wall here is uh, localization. The actual message going, "Hey guys, if you play something anything but dumb today, you'll get more you know SP for it." That part, localizing that to the different versions of the client in different languages, that might be the stone wall. Jeez. Another way they can also handle it is offer up daily missions for playing specific game modes to encourage people to to go a certain way. I mean that that system's already been localized, right? True. So, I mean, but you, they would still have to localize the message that says because they've never yeah. done it for certain game modes yeah. before. So they'd yeah. still have to localize the message that says True. you know. I mean, and it's one of those things that it only needs to be done once, so it shouldn't be that big of a deal. But it's. Some sometimes the things you think really, really shouldn't be at that big of a deal, you know, maybe. Yeah, I mean, we're not even talking like big item descriptions here. It's literally like a, one sentence that goes, "Hey, <laughs> go do this," you know, and and you're done. But like you said, that obviously the the political climate and the allocation of resources within the company for this project is in a very weird place right now. So I, it would be understandable that was problematic, but I, I do hope that they can figure something out, because I think that would help a lot. Okay, guys, well, we're we're a little over the hour mark here. Is there any other topics you guys want to touch on before we, we call it quits here for the day? Uh, how are you guys liking that breach assault rifle on a gal assault? Well, I always liked it. Um, it's kind of crazy yeah. now. It doesn't sound like a breach anymore, that's for sure. I am really, really enjoying going back to the, the regular assault rifle, though. Because it, it's actually, I mean, obviously, the breach is better, but I never really, you know, gave a shit about that. I'm really enjoying the regular assault rifle right now, on the Gal Assault, obviously. Yeah, I no, just, I, pretty cool. Sorry, I just feel, ahead. like, vindicated on my opinion on the breach assault rifle, because I was using it for a long time before the Gal Assault, and I thought it was... A pretty good weapon, and the most of the player base didn't seem to recognize that it was actually a great rifle. And now everybody's using it, so I just I feel it like was, a hipster. I was doing it before it was it, cool. 
well, I mean, did you miss that period of what was it in the spring? When when was that? When the breach AR was everyone on the like every non-AR user on the forums was crying about how it was so OP and needed to be nerfed to, you know, death. I mean, it wasn't that long ago when the Breach AR had its last flavor of the month um period, but um it's um Magus oh ammo capacity was reduced and suddenly oh yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> suddenly it was back into, you know, obscurity again for some reason. Um no, I mean, it was definitely of the AR family. It was the the best i mean it performed the best it it definitely was well it was the only one that was even close to being on par with the other racial rifles so yeah, yeah now it's on now it's better than it was because you know on the on the gal assault as they all are but i like the fact that the regular ar actually feels usable now um so i mean uh you know pros and cons yeah i, I think people recognize pretty well very early on that the breach was pretty much superior to the the normal ar simply because its stability and the way it fired allowed you to use it at a greater range which was always the issue with the ar is that it just went all over the place so i, I think that you know people recognize that and like zarya said it actually for a while was considered op as hell and they nerfed the hell out of the uh, the magazine size to bring it more in line with the other rifles which you know, it, 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 you know, it makes feelings about that. I've always liked the ARs, but you know, that's the way it is. But yeah, I think it's again. I I like the change. I wish that some of that bonus had gone to the base weapon itself rather than entirely to one suit. I but, agree, absolutely. Know. I think it should have gone to the weapon and not the gallon the assault. Um, I felt that same way about the rail rifle as well. It should have the the actual rail rifle should have been looked at, not the Kaldari assault. But I mean, the ARs needed it way more. Yeah, uh, rail rail yeah. rifles are in a pretty good place. Uh, yeah, they are. They are. I mean, the uh, the Kaldari assault definitely needed something, but I think the shield changes were that something. I didn't think they really needed a secondary bonus, but I mean, neither did the Galente assault. The Galente Assault was already in a good place. It was, wasn't in a good place with an AR. The Galente Assault was in a great place with a rail rifle. Um, now it's actually, you know, very good with a with its actual intended rifle, but I think it should have been the rifle that got buffed, not the suit. Yeah, and I would have been happy with just like a, a hybrid change, like maybe like 5% to the rifle and 10% to the suit. Just something to bring that weapon up a little bit on non-assault suits. I mean, I'm, I'm all for racial matching. I think that's fantastic. But I mean, you can stick a like a combat rifle on any suit and it'll perform mm -hmm. pretty damn well. You can stick an AR on mm -hmm. any suit and it doesn't perform that well. So but I, I mean, think that, you know, something to help assault, it would be good. The min-assault bonus doesn't actually change the DPS of the of the combat rifle. Um, right. I mean, you have a larger magazine, so your sustained DPS, you know, is increased slightly because of the, you know, having to reload slightly less. But I mean, still, um, it doesn't actually affect the damage application, whereas the Galente Assault bonus very much affects the damage application of the weapon. Um, so, I mean, there's a massive difference there. Yeah, well, I mean, it, does, that, it did feel like a step in the right direction, though. I had mixed feelings about it. I was never really a fan of having it be a direct DPS buff, but at the same time, I have yet to come up with a really good bonus for the Galente Assault. So, you know, if, if this is the best that everyone can come up with, then, you know, I, I guess that's what it's going to be. 
Um, in terms of the Caldari with the rail rifle, I think that was spot on. The, the recoil reduction was made perfect sense to me, so I'm I'm glad to see that. It's starting to make my heavy feel a little redundant, though, because I don't know. Heavies don't seem to have that much of an edge over assaults like they used to. Well, yes and no. I mean, you have a they're few great more options for AV. as a heavy. They're, right. They, I mean, they're exactly. the they're the kings of AV right now. But in terms of you know comparing an HMG heavy to a gal assault are you know they can you know gal assault is looking pretty attractive compared to my you know a mar heavy these days oh just overall mm, well i mean still yes if no. you if you put the galente assault in front of the mar heavy the ar gets a bonus against shields whereas the uh, hmg gets a bonus against armor um i mean on on paper, the the Mar Heavy still wins hands down. Then it's up up to player actual you know player ability uh, rather than just equations. But um, I sure can say that heavies still destroy logies. <laughs> oh yeah, of course, everything destroys logies. Let's be honest yeah, here. Yeah, yeah. Oh, sad face. But I, I think you're right, though, in that the uh, the heavies certainly offer up a lot more AV options. I mean, if you look at all of the commando bonuses, and I've harped on this before, everything about them says sustained heavy DPS, and the two light weapons allows them to use light AV and not be useless against infantry at the same time. And then, of course, with the Sentinels, you've got the Forge Gun and the... Uh, uh, assault HMG, which are both AV weapons in, in in various applications, can be used against infantry as well. So, in terms of dropping vehicles, heavy suits are are definitely on top. And I honestly, I think that's where they should be. That was where kind of the in original intention was. I mean, even if you read the old flavor text on the Sentinel before commanders even existed, they they talk about it being the only suit that can go head to head with the vehicle and you know be successful. And while that's not entirely true, that does kind of seem to be their original intention that they were meant to be the AV kings and, and still have, you know, limited ability against infantry and where the assault suits, I think, are getting to a point where they are extremely good at wrecking infantry and, you know, they they really don't have a ton going for them in terms of AV. I mean, for example, the, the rate of fire bonus on the Galente assault does not affect the plasma cannons, so that's that's not going to help them there, but it does help them with the assault rifle, obviously, which is in anti-infantry only. So I, I think that, like you said, in many regards, it's going in a pretty good direction. I like the shift of heavy towards more AV and the mediums more towards anti-infantry. I think that's a great place, and and I'm glad to see that that change is happening, um, at least in, in many degrees. Uh, anything else, guys, before we, we call it a close here? One thing here, um, the Crimson Harvest Kill event has definitely brought out a lot more Agamist mass drivers and jumpy mass drivers at that, and it's it's been a little frustrating to deal with, but uh, there's been some discussion in the forums of uh, uh, possibly like a solution to that is getting rid of the blue bottles and switching that to an equipment slot that would kind of behave in a similar way to the cloak where you activate it and then you have like a 20, 30 second period where you can use both your um, increased jumps and increased melee. And if you swap out of that, you have like a 10 second uh, recharge delay that you have to deal with. So you get like one tactical jump. And if you switch back to a weapon during that jump, you'd have, you wouldn't be able to jump again for another few seconds. That would be so glorious. 
Yeah, absolutely. I would support that 100%. I've, I've never had an issue with the high jumping. I had an issue with it being something that they can do anytime on a whim, you know, mid-fight. And it, that's what affects the gameplay in a negative way, in my opinion. And forcing it to be more deliberate where something you're going to stop and activate and then use for a period of time and then have a cooldown where you can't use it is exactly what it should be not this i can bounce around like a rabbit all day long because you know my stamina and jump height are you know maxed out yeah making it an actual tactical tool and in that case i'd actually be okay with you know because i know they they reduced the number of bottles you could fit from five to three uh to to kind of rein in the hype because it was getting pretty ridiculous but i think that if it was indeed an active equipment like you said like the cloak i would be okay with a very high jump i think that's fine because it's something that you know is is deliberate it's not in the middle of a firefight you're going to be doing yeah i mean in that case too it would be nice to have like two variations of jump height while you have that equipment out so like while you have it normally out you jump like 50 percent higher but then well, you have it out and then you push down X, you charge up a jump or something like that. Or, or yeah, or a longer duration. Because I think it certainly has merit in, in something that's a more reasonable jump height, but it lasts longer because if you're, you know, going from point A to point B and you can, you know, jump over small obstacles like boxes and whatnot, and that's all you need, I think that's much more reasonable. And then if you want, you know, a short burst where you're flying up, you know, to the second story, that's that's fine too, but it's not going to last as long. I think that I mean, the only thing... The only thing I um I would have a slight I would be slightly sad about switching the whole whole utility of the blue bottles over to uh, equipment is the fact that I think the utility you get from putting one on one myofib on to um, countermand um, the um the counteract the um movement penalties you get from using an armor plate so you can have a heavy that isn't completely destroyed by a tiny little lunch that you can actually navigate yeah you know, the thank maps. you yeah, yeah <laughs> thank you great buff, buff the, the the jump height in general without yes. the blue bottles yes yes absolutely. exactly that, that that would absolutely need to happen because i think right now the fact that you can do um yeah i mean i mean my min min commando needs one one blue bottle to not be stuck on anything and everything simply because it's a heavy suit even though even though i'm not using regular plates i'm st i still can't jump over you know stuff that i should be able to just walk over yeah um so yeah that would be horrible bad thing to return back to not having that utility you know so yeah something yeah. would need to be done about that i i have a galente heavy with two blue bottles just so i'm not like crippled when i you know need to hop over a tiny little ledge in some weird corner of the map. Yeah, you should not have to have a dedicated module just so you can go over a, a, a six inch lip. That's ridiculous. You know, it's <laughs> like I was playing the other day and I, I, I was in uh, granted a, a fairly heavily armored heavy suit and my brother's watching me and I walk up to um, like one of those open ended boxes where it's just kind of like a tube and I could not get over the ledge. And he's like, are you serious? And I'm like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the reality of it is that I, I have one too many armor plates and I can't step up a, 
a six inch lip to get over this thing. So, you know, I, I think buffing, and I said that when the, the, the myofins first came out that, you know, I would have rather seen just a, a slight, you know, increase in the jump height for most, if not all the suits, especially the heavies, just to make it a little less painful to move around. I mean, I'm not looking to, to vault over railings of the heavy, but I, I should be able to at least, you know, move around in a reasonable fashion, even if I am, you know, packing a lot of armor and whatnot. So I, th- I think that's certainly a, a great change to, to push forward. Uh, but yeah, so I think we're going to move into shadows, guys. We're, we're getting close to an hour and a half here. So, and I have to get going and I think Zell wants to eat dinner at some hour tonight. So we'll move into shadows. Eventually so food is nice. <laughs> yes. Food is good. So we'll start at the top of the list again with Sarai Zell. Do you have any shoutouts, man? Um, Star Citizen released a patch. I'm going to try it later. We'll see if it's any good. It's probably not, but you know. <laughs> okay. Um, Darth? Uh, shout out to the people that are doing this event, despite how grindy it is. Uh, let your voices be heard, and hopefully we can get a um, more all-inclusive event in the future. Yep, that's certainly fair. Uh, Heracles? Uh, my shout out goes to CCP Frame. Um, this weekend on my YouTube, I released uh, the Crimson Harvest Dust 514 edition, which was my first ever attempt at making Dust 514 mesh... I'm saying, I hope I'm pronouncing this right, Machinima, and uh, CCP Frame retweeted it and gave me a compliment on my intro, so thanks you very much, Frame, for doing that. Awesome. Janik? Uh, shout out to Heracles for letting me participate as the uh, Ford Field Commander Officer. Oh, I love having you on. Thanks so, Thanks for participating, Janik. That was fun. Very cool. I'll take a look at that. All right, Zarya? Um... Um, shout out to um, uh, Dagger and Akomi Cipher being annoying pests that, you know, ask me for things that I can't do. But, you know, you're not getting the contact grenades buffed, at least not by anything I do. So, ha. Love you guys. <laughs> Fantastic. Uh, and I'm going to give my shout out to everybody that's been putting up with my ranting the last few weeks. Um, we always joke around the Skype channel that I have a, a special gun, Pokey's Boundless Optimism gun, uh, as I, despite being surrounded by bitterness, uh, have continued to maintain that I am hopeful for the future of Dust and hope that, you know, we see some news in the near future about, you know, where this game is going and, 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 and what's going on. And I get very frustrated and get into grumpy moods where I kind of throw a fit and <laughs> because I'm very frustrated, you know, and we, I, I've ranted about this in the show before, but I'm very frustrated with the way things are going. Um, and, you know, it's, it's an important thing to me and to the community. And, and despite my boundless optimism gun, I often recently have been getting, you know, dis- disgruntled and, and discouraged because of the silence. And I, even I reaching my limit of how much ammo is in my boundless optimism gun. So, you know, thanks for everyone putting up with me and, uh, you know, hopefully we, we get something soon and I appreciate everyone that cheers me up, tells me to, you know, keep going because I think that a lot of people are in the same situation where they're very frustrated and, and, um, having a hard time with the way things are going. So hopefully something happens soon because it's, it's important. I mean, I know that whatever power to be in CCP is causing said silence. Um, it, it may not be as important to them or it may not be something that they're willing to do right now, but it is taxing the community. And I think that it's time, you know, I think it's time that, that 
things start going in a direction of more transparency and letting people know that uh, CCP is as devoted to this franchise as the players have been devoted to this franchise. Because despite all the shit that has happened, people are still hanging in there. And I think that, you know, that should be rewarded one way or another. And I think that they deserve it. And, you know, hopefully communication opens up very soon. So, uh, that being said, guys, I want to thank you for joining us for biomass episode 77 and, uh, we will bring this one to a close. So thank you and have a good night.